Good morning, everybody. Really, it's good afternoon, but happy to be here. Last Sunday, a tornado went through our neighborhood. The television sent out a warning, watch out, watch out. And then finally hit Fitchville and Fitchville River Road where we live. I thought, you know, just a little wind, but then the lightning and the rain and the wind. And I told my wife, we better go down to the basement if we want to stay alive. We thank the Lord. No one gets hurt. No one got hurt. But the electricity went out for three days, three and a half. The food was spoiled. Our internet went out, still out. The tower was broken in two. Uh, And as we experienced the last couple days, I was thinking of residents in Puerto Rico for the last two months since their tornado had no electricity. 80% of the people, no electricity. Very little running water and people are considering abandoning the island and coming to the U.S., those at least who have relatives here to come to. Mm. Brethren, I am thankful for a room to sleep in comfortably. And you better be uh, thankful for that too. Because there will be a time when we won't have that comfort. Few movements have altered the course course of history, world history, more than the Protestant Reformation. If you really consider, not technically we say it started October 31st, 1517, when Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door of the castle church. Of course, the Reformation started earlier. But that's a date that has been chosen and uh, well chosen. And the consequences marked out the work of Francis who is trying to mend relationship with the Lutherans, with the Presbyterians, with the other churches inviting them to come back to the mother church. But I like to ask you, do you remember 
what do you remember from the Reformation? Well, you might remember the 30-year wars, religious wars. You might remember interdict that has been used against John Hoss. Now, you remember what an interdict is. When the church makes an official announcement that there will be no religious services, no weddings, no funerals, no burial service, no baptisms, none. The church will be closed until you repent and turn away from heresy. Now, in the days of John Hoss, it was a very, very effective way of controlling people. Today, it would not work. It just would not work. But I am... I'm still asking, what do you remember? And I ask this very seriously because it makes a world of difference of what you remember. Uh, I like to add that Unless I am a born-again Christian, I will not be able to treasure the memory of the Reformation. I must be a born-again Christian. Otherwise, Reformation is just a secular event. 500 years old, forget it. And let me tell you a little story That happened with my family. It was 1943. Uh, some of you were not here yet, correct? <laughs> Aren't you glad that you are so young? <laughs> I wish I were. 1943, that's 74 years ago. World War II was really going hard. It was Easter Sunday, and my mother took me with her to church. Just the two of us. She didn't take her husband. She didn't take my younger brother. Just the two of us. So we went to church. Now, my parents were not churchgoers, all right? Easter, Christmas, New Year, that was the time when they went to church, just like the average people, you know. But this time it was Easter Sunday, and she took me to church with herself. We walked in, and this was in Hungary, of course. <clears throat> walked in in a large Roman Catholic church. And as we walked in, we had to stand in line. And the line moved forward slowly to the front of the church. 
And at first I was wondering why so slowly. You know, I was only second grade student. A little boy who did not understand theology, did not understand uh, the philosophy behind. I was just doing what my mother told me to do, or at least tried. But I noticed as we approached the front that there was a big crucifix laid down and Christ made out of, I don't know, what plastic or whatever, on the cross. And people walked up to the cross, had to kneel down and kiss Christ, gave a kiss. So as we were approaching Suddenly, I I cannot explain why and how a fear came over me and I began to cry. And I said, Mom, I just cannot do it. I just cannot do it. And I was crying publicly in front of everybody. Nobody else cried. I was the only one crying. And she says, Igor, don't be afraid. Just just look. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. You just go, kneel down, give a kiss, and then we are done. But I kept on crying and repeating, Mom, I, I just cannot do it. So she took my arm, somewhat upset, took me out of the church, Sunshine, fresh air, maybe Igor will recover. I stopped crying. But then she took me back again. But we had to start at the end of the line. Had to wait much longer. So, as we approached the front, maybe three, four people in front of us, I started to cry again. I said, Mom, I just cannot do it. She became somewhat angry, took my hand, we left the church. I never kissed Christ. But I didn't feel guilty. I couldn't explain it theologically. I was too young. Second grade in elementary school. What does a second grader know? Especially if the parents don't go to church and you don't receive any catechism. You don't know anything. And and I don't attribute any merits to me. You follow me? I'm looking back now. 74 years later, you follow me? 74 years later, as a retired pastor. No, there was no merit in it, but the good Lord wanted to tell something to my mom because she was a former Seventh-day Adventist. And uh, 
How do you express your love for Christ? Surely not by breaking the second commandment. Are you following, brother? Yes, yes. We need to express our love for Jesus. He longs to hear from us that we love him. But brethren, we have to express as he told us to express. If you love me, you keep my commandments. And we were breaking the very one, the second one. And brethren, may I say, as we remember the Reformation, and it is so important, the dinner is almost ready. It's one, I mean, 12.30. Brethren, I have several pages here. I have to condense it, but But my burden is this. What do we remember 500 years later? Do we remember the essential things? Or do we remember only conflicts between nations, conflicts between Protestants and Catholics? But what do we really remember? What is the real essential things to remember. Uh, Luther left us an inheritance that we should never, never forget. Number one, the Bible as the only rule of faith and practice. Are you with me, brethren? The Bible as the only rule of faith and practice. And the second one, Christ as the only way to salvation. Two very essential things. But there are some details that I like to call your attention to because... You may have overlooked. Your attention may not have been called to. How do we express our love for our Lord today? It's not only fifth, I mean, 500 years ago. It's not what we try to do ignorantly 74 years ago in Hungary when we walked there and again I am not telling the story to attribute any merits because there is no merits to the spirit simply brought about this feeling to speak to my mother which I understood many, many years later, only later. One time a listener asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? That's Matthew 22, 
36-37. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, brethren, that includes our total lifestyle. No, amen? amen. Total lifestyle. Total lifestyle. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I remember documentaries. I lived through World War Two. Uh, see how old I am. Gray hair, losing some of it. That little that is left. But I remember. Now what was the essence for me? What what did I learn from World War II history? I learned that the winners are right and the losers are the guilty ones. Did you hear me? The winners administer the punishment and tell you why you are guilty. And the losers don't have a chance really to defend themselves. I am not satisfied with the worldly procedures or Nuremberg. But history is history. I hope we don't repeat anything like this in the church, brethren. You follow me? World history and church history should be different altogether. But once in a while, we imitate the world, even in our judgment. It's a sad story, but... Okay, let me come to the documentary. You know, <clears throat> propaganda, whether it's a right wing or left wing, it's propaganda. So, <clears throat> we lived under Russian occupation, and the communist government who one or the system condemned the previous government and now they had the government officials lined up for execution hanging and they showed it in the papers television well, television we didn't have television at that time yet <clears throat> but newspapers and pictures and just before the prime minister, who was condemned as war criminal, was hung, the priest walked to him, 
with a little crucifix in his hand, Christ on the crucifix, held it up to his mouth so he could kiss the crucifix and then eh, hang him. Now, it's a nice gesture to indicate publicly that I am dying as a Christian and I love Christ, but what does the Lord expect from you and me to express, express our love for Jesus in 2017 in the light of the Reformation? What have we inherited that makes us different? Definitely not, definitely not by breaking the second commandment. Are you with me, brethren? I hope you, you understand. Uh, uh, it is a rather interesting twist of history that at the time of the first advent of Christ, the real issue was who is the Christ? How to recognize him? It was a salvation issue. The Jews have, had waited for the Messiah for a thousand years, the promises foretold, when he would be born, where he would be born, how he would be born, what he would do, and so on. So prophecy spoke about Christ. It was a salvation issue to recognize Christ. And the tragedy of the Jewish people is that they did not recognize their own Messiah. But may I remind you, brethren, at the current time, at the second coming of Christ, the real issue is who is the Antichrist? 2,000 years ago, who is the Christ? Now, the churches today all confess Jesus that he is crucified, he had died, he's risen, he ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. By and large, by and large, the Christian world recognizes Jesus as the promised Messiah with all the misconceptions, but let's not go into detail. By and large, the Christian world accepts Jesus as the promised one. Not the Jews, but the Christian. But the real issue today is a very serious issue. Who is the Antichrist? Now, I'd like to emphasize something that you may not have heard, but let me just say it and then you analyze it. 
the final conflict runs far deeper than the Sabbath versus Sunday. At the center of the end-time controversy are two rival systems of prophetic interpretation. It's not, I am not belittling the Sabbath and Sunday, but that's secondary. That's, there is something that precedes that. Let me illustrate it this way. There are millions, millions of Christians who believe in the secret rapture. You know that. And what is the essence of the secret rapture? The church will be caught up to heaven. You don't have to go through the time of tribulation. Oh, I wish I didn't. I honestly wish. I don't lie. We had a few days when the tornado went through Wakeman and had no electricity. I had to run our generator, uh, run some pump, otherwise our basement would have been flooded. And uh, so often I had to get up during the night to fill the tank with gasoline so that the generator would keep on working so that the sump pump would be working and we would not be flooded. <coughs> Little time of trouble. I don't, uh, I like a comfortable life. Is there anyone who does not? Take your hand down because you are not speaking the truth. We all love comfort and there is nothing wrong loving it. But that comfort will be taken from us. And how much am I willing to sacrifice for the true sake? So the central issue in the final conflict far deeper than the Sabbath versus Sunday. At the center of the end-time controversy are two rival systems of prophetic interpretation. Historicist interpretation and futurist or dispensation. If you are futurist, There is no trouble of time for you. You will be caught up to heaven. And you have nothing to do. You never have to confront the Antichrist. You follow me, brethren? You follow me? Now, if you read the spirit of prophecy carefully, you will notice that the greatest religious deceptions are yet to come. Satan will appear as the angel of light. And the church will endorse those apparitions. 
I, I don't go into detail. You can read it in the spirit of prophecy. But I'm just emphasizing the greatest religious deceptions are yet to come for the futurists. And they will take it hook, line, and sinker. Boom, swallow it. But the inheritance that we have received from the reformers is a historicist interpretation or the continuous historical interpretation. The continuous historical interpretation means basically prophecy said it, history confirmed it. Again, prophecy said it, this will happen, the birth of Christ, where will it happen, how will it happen? History confirmed it. You remember Palm Sunday before the triumphal entry of Jesus, a beautiful story. I, I love those stories so much, so much. I can reread them and it just rejuvenate my old soul and body. And I need lots of rejuvenation. But Jesus sent to his disciples, he says, you just go to the village ahead of you. And when you enter the village, you will find a donkey tied to a pole, untie, <coughs> and bring it to me. And if anybody asks, what are you doing? Just tell them the Lord has need of it. You remember the story? I'm just refreshing your memory. So the disciples did everything happen as Jesus told, told them. But do you remember that it was only after the resurrection? It was only after the resurrection that the disciples remembered that this had been written and prophecy was fulfilled. A couple hours later, they come and arrest Jesus. Peter pulls out his sword, cuts off the ear. He was not really aiming for the ear. But he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant. And Jesus' hand was already tied. He pulls out his hand, touches the ear of that wounded high priest servant. I don't know if, if he ever was converted. I like to know the story. I think he should have been converted after that experience. <clears throat> but we, we are not told. We will know it. We will know it. But what was Jesus' response? He says, put back your sword. He says, don't you think I could pray to my heavenly father and he would send 12 legions of angels. Now, you read desire of 
ages. Oh, please read this out of ages. The Holy Spirit tells us that there was a stir among the holy angels. Yes, they were ready to come and level those unbelieving Jews. But you remember what Jesus says? Yes, yes. But then, how would the scriptures be fulfilled? How would the scriptures be fulfilled? So, the most important inheritance, brethren, from the Reformation is the historicist interpretation. The continuous historical interpretation. The Bible foretold this. History confirmed it. The Bible foretold it. History confirmed it. If you are honest with history. The Bible foretold it. History confirmed it. One more illustration. Two discouraged, depressed disciples walk home to Emmaus. Well, had they understood the scriptures, they should have rejoiced, but they didn't. They didn't. Just like you and I, quite often we don't understand what we should have understood. So they are depressed, and then Jesus joins them, but the scripture says so beautifully, their eyes were held so that they would not recognize Jesus. Jesus asked them, why are you so sorrowful? Do you remember what their response was? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what happened? And Jesus says, what happened? I love that response. Jesus asked, them to tell his story. So they begin to tell the story of Jesus, how great he was, how much he has done, everything, but but they crucified him. He died. This is the fourth day. Yes, yes, we heard something that the women spoke about some reports that he's risen, but, I mean, we just can't believe it. Then Jesus gently reproves them. Oh, full of heart, slow to believe all what the prophets have written, And the scripture says he begins to explain them from Moses through the whole scriptures. This is what was foretold. This is exactly what happened. Hey, disciples, this is what was foretold. And this is what history confirms. 
Now we read retroactively when the disciples now run back to Jerusalem and says, didn't our heart burn in us when he interpreted the scriptures? <laughs> yes. But, you know, Jesus used the continuous historical interpretation. And may I say, ah, I have so much to say, but I have to quit. <clears throat> now just let me give you an illustration. Have you, how many of you heard the name of Dave Hunt? He's dead now, but <clears throat> at least I saw one or two. I did go to one or two of his not his, but the organizations, uh, these dispensational futurist meeting, Niagara. That's one of the places where they love to meet. I did. I met him. I have several of his books. <coughs> Excuse me. Quote. The reformers... And their creeds were unanimous. What? Unanimous. Identifying each pope as the Antichrist. Now this is Dave Hunt. Scripture, however, does not support that claim. Now are you, brethren, listening? The Antichrist is a unique individual without predecessor or successor. You know what dispensationalists teach in a nutshell? Soon the true Christians will be raptured, then the seven last year of tribulation starts. That's when the Antichrist comes, and I'm, I'm not going to give you a false interpretation. I don't even point, want to put it in your mind. But I want you to know there are millions, millions of sincere, honest Christians who believe that. Seventh-day Adventist Church stands alone. Did you hear me? Seventh-day Adventist Church stands alone in the world as the bulwark of historicist method. The claim of the Seventh-day Adventist Church to be the remnant is based on a historical method of interpreting Bible prophecy. We have employed the historicist method to identify the papacy as the Antichrist, but this is only the tip of the iceberg. It is only the tip of the iceberg. Because historicist method has also been used to prove, listen, listen, listen now, this method proves 
The remnant church would arise shortly after 1798 with the prophet in its midst. That's a cardinal teaching of us. Number two, our explanation of a messianic prophecy of the 70 weeks. No gap after the 69 week. That's, that's what Futurists do. That's what Dave Hunt said. The prophecy of the 2300 days, the bittersweet book of Revelation 10, the churches, the seals, the trumpets, the beast, the three angels' message, the role of the United States in prophecy is based on the governing principle of historicism as a method. Uh, I have to be kind to you. Oh, maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago, I brought this book to church. I even gave Run one free copy, and uh, I highly recommended that each of you have a copy of this book. This is a great controversy, but illustrated with extra historical documentation. Are you with me? Extra historical documentation that you can dig it up. Remember, prophecy foretold. History confirmed. Prophecy foretold. History confirmed. This is a book that interprets church history in the continuous historical fulfillment or historicism. You should have this book. At that time I recommend, I'm not selling the book, okay, so don't misunderstand. But at that time I recommended the price $65, but if you buy by cases, it's probably $10 or $11. But it's worth its price, it's worth its price. And brethren, If you want to be firm in our beliefs, you have to read and reread and reread this book. Now, if you have a little extra curiosity, and this is the last thought, I'll let you go. If you have extra but healthy curiosity, a sincere seeker for truth and conviction. Here is Stephen Bohr's book. Now, most of you know Stephen Bohr. The title of his book, Futurism's Incredible Journey. And underneath subtitle, Daniel 725, 
He shall think to change times. Now, brethren, this has been translated into Hungarian. I was planning to bring a Hungarian copy, but, but I said, if anybody wants a Hungarian copy, just ask for it, I give it to you. <clears throat> uh, help me so much to see what are the real issues? Unless, unless you take the historicist interpretation system, you cannot maintain our position being the remnant, and so on, and so on, and so on. The only way is taking and maintaining and clinging onto it the historicist interpretation. Huh? Let me read in closing just a few thoughts from A.T. Jones. Now, you remember A.T. Jones was a, a pioneer especially in 1888 when he spoke at the German conference session in Minneapolis and later on when he defended us before the Congress and prevented Congress from bringing about a Sunday law. I mean, the man was a genius. Just a few thoughts and then I'm done. <clears throat> How came the... I, I leave this here. Anybody wants a copy, I leave it here and you can make a copy. How came the Reformation? Beautiful thought. Beautiful thought. The Reformation did not and does not consist in exposure and denunciation of the iniquities of Rome. Did you get it? Now let me just finish. I mean, this is just the beginning. But this is a heavy statement. This is a heavy statement. Let me read it again. The Reformation did not and does not consist in the exposure and denunciation of the iniquities of the Roman Church that is included in the Reformation as an incident because it is the essence of Christianity to hate iniquity and to love righteousness. Are you with me? The essence is to love righteousness and hate iniquity. So, Yes, there has to be an exposure, but that's an incident. The Reformation springs from another principle, lives in another atmosphere, and works in another field than that. If exposure and denunciation of the iniquity of the church could have wrote, wrote Reformation, then the Reformation would have been in the world 
more than 500 years before it was. Now he lists the documents and so on and so on and so on. I'm not going to read it all. I leave it here for you. It's yours. I want you to know my burden today stick with the historicist interpretation. That's the only system that can prove the justification for our existence. Are you following me? The only method to prove that we have a reason to be here. That we are God sent. And get the great controversy and get the other book. Thank you again. The Lord bless you. Appreciate your time. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that came to us as an inheritance from the Reformation that started 500 years ago. Oh, loving Father, help us to be true to that inheritance. Help us to stick with that proper method of interpretation, the continuous historical interpretation, where prophecy foretold and history confirmed. And again, where events were prophetically foretold and historical records confirmed it. Bless us, Lord, to be loyal to you under all circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.